Welcome to the DCCC Youth Podcast. This podcast is from our series on hard topics, Untouchables, and in it we talk about the issues of depression and suicide. Okay, so David, uh, he's made some poor decisions, and a bad thing happens. He's very depressed. His child dies, and so he's suffering deep grief over what happened. He's not eating. His appearance changes. He's really angry, withdrawn from people. People are afraid to talk to him, afraid of what he's going to do. Right. So, and then last one, Elijah. Uh, we're actually now that I see that First Kings 19, the entire chapter. Um, we'll just summarize. Actually, <laughs> I didn't realize it. I wasn't looking and seeing how much there actually was there. So he's running away, um, fleeing for his life from the king and queen who really hate him. So he is afraid to lose his life. He has got no energy, and he throws himself down in the desert and says, "God, kill me. Uh, I'm the only righteous person here." And I just don't even know what to do. He's feeling really negative about himself, wants to end his life, and all this stuff is just going wrong. So these are just a couple examples of something that is really uh, striking our nation today, I guess I would say. Like, a lot of people suffer from depression, and um, just a few things that are not in your handout, things like general facts that I talked about in my workshop. Um, there's, a, there's two big kinds of depression and they're really simply categorized. Number one is short-term depression, and this is like things like your girlfriend breaks up with you and you're depressed for like a month or two. That's short-term depression, and that's usually something that's like event-based. Something bad happens, you get really sad for a while, and you get over it. Um, And I think it's uh, something around 18 million people suffer from that every year in our country. And then there's long-term depression. This is like... This is like almost built in, when you usually talk about someone who's depressed, this is more what you talk about, I think. Um, like a, the, it's usually called clinical depression. It's like built into someone's life almost. It's like a habit, and it goes on for years at a time. And it's not necessarily just an event that happened, but like kind of even a way of life. It's become like this sadness that's always with them. And it can be like medically based, like maybe someone's really sick, it causes the depression, the cancer, or something like that. Or it can just be a mental problem, too. Um, so those are just, I just wanted to mention that. Um, and we're going to, this is like a really, really short, um, condensed thing, because I want to actually talk about some questions. So I think there's some important stuff behind this that I didn't get to interact with people in my workshop very much. But um, there's some things, important things I want to, um, go over with you about these people. If you go back up to the biblical examples, um, in every one of these cases, like obviously we talked about last week, the Bible is not like this 500,000 page book that is an ex- encyclopedia and you're like, boy, I really want to know if playing the djembe, djembe is a sin. And then so you look up D, djembe, djembe, djembe. Not a sin. Great. You know, like the Bible's not that way. Um, just like you. Like, maybe some of you in your Bible, you could look up depression, and it might list some of these verses. Um, But mostly, no, you're not going to be like, depression, depression. Oh, here it is, right here in the Bible, you know? Um, There is another part in the New Testament where where Paul talks about they were in so much danger, they they were just so tired, even unto death. Talking about, like, they almost even wanted to die. They were in such a bad situation. Um, But these cases right here... It's not something that it's like necessarily broadcast. These people have depression, and this is the solution. Um, but God does provide solutions for them. Um, and in the case of Moses, if you read there, does anyone know what God did for Moses? Just off the top of their head. I guess. 
What? No, no. That was. Uh, yes, he good. That's very good. He well, not Aaron, but um, you're you're thinking of when he said, "I can't speak. I don't speak very well." And he said, "Aaron will be your mouthpiece for." Um, he provided Joshua and Caleb. Um, the two people who went to spy in the land and came back and said, don't worry, God can take care of it for us. Um, if you remember that story, he, he brings these people alongside to help him and encourage him. And also he, get, he says, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you 70 elders, older people in this, in this nation, and they're going to help you to, um, to oversee these people. So really what he, he provides for him is a bunch of people to help him because he's going through a hard time. He's very stressed out. Um, Hannah, God also provided someone for her. The priest comes and, and thinks that she's drunk, but then she says, no, I'm not drunk. This is what's happening. And the priest comforts her and says, you know what? This is what God is going to do for you. And he brings words of comfort to her. David, as we read in that passage, actually, there's people around him saying, you know, what, are, what can we do for this guy? He's really struggling. We're afraid to tell him that his child died because we don't know what he's going to do. But um, God provided, again, people for him and it, they helped him get over his grief and this is really important by saying you know what David get up wash yourself shave get up and do things um, and so put, put on some fresh clothes eat something and so they help him and they kind of pull him out of this problem and then Elijah God also he also provided a change of scenery food water and he gave him sleep and energy he provides a lot for him and says you know what just slow down think about this take a rest um, and just be reminded. He reminds them. This is where he says, you know, you think you're the only righteous person in the nation, but there's thousands of people who have not turned to other gods. Um, so take heart. The thing, obviously, that all of these have in common that I think is really important is people. And this is um, kind of why I wanted to talk about this, because this is like, um, again, this is like an untouchable issue. Maybe not as much as some other ones, like... like uh, if someone gets a, an abortion in, in the church or, or kills someone or, you know, like there's some other more serious ones. This On some of these topics, this is probably one of the lesser ones. But this is something that people just don't talk about. Like, they're not like, hey, please pray for this person because they're really depressed. You know, like, it's just kind of like we don't want to mention it because... We can mention sickness and cancer and stuff, but we don't want to mention this for some reason. Because it's like, if they only understood and they were the right kind of Christian, they wouldn't suffer from this problem. And I think this is kind of like a subconscious thing that happens here. But the Bible in here, and also if you talk to counselors um, now, you go and talk to a counselor, the one thing they're going to tell you that is the best thing to do is be around people. Um, this is what God is always providing for these people who are struggling with this, is other people to pull them out of it and say, you know what, look, we're going to help you by doing these things. Um, and this is really, really important because this is the purpose of the church, and this is why this one is so important. This is one of the great purposes of the church, is to be a community um, for the greater community, for the people around them, the people in the city, like around here, but also for each other, because things don't always go perfectly for us. Things don't always work out the exact way we want them to. We sometimes suffer from depression. We make bad choices. We do whatever wrong. But that's why we have other people here. And I really I want to stress this to you guys because I think in my experience and I think most people's experience, it's not what the church is like. It's the place where you have to look good, right? Like, And I think a lot of churches are this way. You come... 
you don't come if you have a problem. You come after you cleaned your problem up, kind of. Um, and this is not, it's not what it's supposed to be like. And the reason I've always hit this so hard with you guys, and, and like, you know, it's not because you're a good person that you're going to get to heaven, is because you are, you are the church. I'm not even going to say you're the next generation of the church, because you're in this church right now. And you are going to decide what it's like. When you grow up, are you going to compare your children to all your other friends' children? Or are you going to say, you know what? Sure you can. Or are you going to say, you know what? Our lives are going to be about grace. And we're going to understand that being successful ultimately means nothing in this life if we don't understand what our true purpose is. Are we going to say, oh, this person's suffering from depression or this problem, so let's all whisper behind their back about it? Or are we going to say, let's help this person? That's why we're talking about this stuff. Because if you don't make the change, no one is going to. You have to make the choice now to do that. Otherwise, it's just going to keep on going on like this. We're not going to talk about these things. They're never going to get solved. And people are going to hurt in the dark and alone. Um, And this is why we're talking about this stuff. And I'm encouraging you. This is what you need to do. This is what it's about. It's people. Getting into other people's lives and knowing them and understanding them. And I... I want to get into a lot more issues when we get to the bottom questions, but how do you help someone who's depressed? Um, And these are kind of like a synthesis of biblical, like you could see them in the Bible. And also, this is a lot of advice that you'll get from counselors today, too. Do you mean psychiatrists? Psychiatrist, counselor, psychologist, (laughs) whatever. Um, But in, well, where's there some other issues I want to talk about in just a minute that are important, but... um, I want to get through this stuff in the notes. Number one, help them think differently. That's that first blank, think. Help them think differently. And I don't mean all of a sudden be happy, yay, you know, like, that's not what I'm talking about. The focus that you're focusing on is God's help. Help the person not to deny the problem, but talk about it and seek ways to solve it by taking responsibility but not blaming themselves. So what that means is, like, you know, the common thing everyone says, the first step is denial. Um, but it's so true, like, people don't, especially, I think, in the church, you don't want to admit something like this, you, that you're struggling with depression. You're like, oh, I'm just going through this hard time. Well, sorry, the hard time is three years long, you know. <laughs> like, you need to start to come to terms with what's going on here and say, you know what, I do need help. And I'm going to take responsibility for this, which means I'm going to take steps to fix this problem. But I'm not going to necessarily blame myself. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Because maybe it's not yourself. Maybe... This is the hard part is people get stuck in this, right? I shouldn't be depressed. I shouldn't be depressed. I should be happy. I should be joyful. And it just gets them even more depressed because they're not what they should be. Um, So the important thing is taking responsibility but not blaming yourself. Help them feel differently um, is the second one. Feel. Focus on this one is God's care. And there's verses for all these two. Help the person focus more on the facts than the feelings. What that means is... um, I know, personally, I've, I've, I said this in my workshop, I've never, like, been diagnosed with de- clinical depression or anything like this. But sure, I think all of us have been depressed in our lives. And there was, especially in college, I went through some pretty dark times where I w- was really struggling with depression and just a lot of different things um, that were going on in my life. And a lot of times it's really easy to let the feelings just, just stay there and, and be like, well, I feel this way, I feel this way. And the important thing is to help people realize and help yourself realize what the facts are that the Bible says God loves me Um, and Rachel can I think Rachel even knows um, because she knew me during this time 
there's just times where I was just like, I, no one even cares about me. Like, I just feel like people are just my friends to be nice to me and like all this stuff. But Rachel and other people, other friends were like, no, you know what? God loves you. It says in the Bible right here. He loves you. And we love you. There are people around you that really love you. And um, you do mean something. You're not like this worth, like the world would be different without you. It's not like you just fade away and nothing would happen. Um, and just bringing that to your mind, bringing the facts about life, because sometimes it's so easy for feelings about things to overcome what we know the facts are about who we are, about how people feel about us, um, and then help them behave a bit differently. And this is a really big one. This is one of the big ones that um, that a lot of counselors, psychiatrists will say. And this was in the example of David. Um, the focus for this one is God's possibilities in the future. And it means that your life is more than just the problems that you're going through now. Um, and that's what, it, and I know in some ways it can sound corny, but um, basically just saying, you know what, God, he has, if you just keep going with this, keep going on with life, it's not going to always be this bad. God has plans for you. Jeremiah 29:11 says that. I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, not to harm you. Um, and so, there is a plan. There's, there's all these possibilities if you, if you just keep going. And to help them, uh, again, help them get back into life. Because if you just stay in this, this kind of funk where you're just not doing anything like David was, um, then you're never going to see this. So this is a really big one. Help people to get reinvolved with entering your daily routine, like getting exercise, spending time with friends, eating things, just spending time with people and living a normal life. And a lot of times that will really help. It's something I used before. C.S. Lewis, and there's a great book. Um, yeah. Does depression make us antisocial? Is that right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it can. It's really easy, and I, again, from personal experience and just reading a lot about this thing, like, it does. Like, when you don't think people love you, why do you want to spend time with them? But... Um, the key is not focusing on that, like realizing truly what the facts are, and that's why it's important to be with people, to get outside of yourself, to, like, it, it is really easy to become antisocial, yeah. But um, it's also really important when you know that you're struggling with that, and you know that it's causing that to happen, to say, you know what, I am going to intentionally go out and spend time with people and try and have fun, and try and live a normal life. And that's really key. If you're not living a normal life, it's going to be so hard to get out of this. Um, and that's why they said to David, you know, eat something, change your clothes, take a shower. Like, all these things are so, so important. Um, so, I have, I know this is really quick, but there's a lot of issues that I want to talk about, but in kind of like under the umbrella of discussion. Um, and the first one is like the most ridiculous broad question ever, but I want to hear some answers that you have to this question. And that is, what causes depression? Diane? Yeah. <laughs> I love how you did, like, whoa, if I could have that Okay, like, this is psychologically-wise, like, What is the ultimate cause of depression? Chemical imbalance. What? Chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. 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 Stress? Anyone else? Parents. Parents? What's the leading cause of depression? Ultimate cause, whatever. Wait, wait, don't don't say anything yet. 
whatever. Just just talk in turn, okay? Oh. <laughs> there is none. Yeah, there is. I think um, it's something dramatic in your life, or I mean, like something that you're used to that that you lose a lot. That would be short-term depression we talked about. Well, actually, um, in my in my workshop, I listed there's like five major causes of depression that usually people. Well, there's actually three big ones. Yeah. What if the place that you used to live, like for a long time, but you didn't like it, like causes depression? Uh, well, that would be like an environment thing, and that's one of them that people say. They like to say like circumstance, emotional. Are circumstantial, emotional, and um, there's a couple other ones. Physical, yeah, physical. That's what Diane brought up, and actually, this is now the opportunity I'm going to take to talk about this. Um, which, again, uh, I'm not going to pick on you, and what you said isn't wrong, but um, not all depression is a chemical imbalance in the brain. And there are people, there's certain groups of Christians, um, there's a group big group called Neuthetic Counselors, uh, which just means like spirit-led counselors. Um, and it's this kind of counseling that uses only the Bible. Like they don't use anything else and they'll almost never prescribe medication because all problem is a spiritual problem and you need to deal with that spiritual problem. Um, am I saying that basically? According for, to them. According to them. Rachel was certified in Neuthetic Counseling. No, no, no. I wasn't certified. Not certified. I, I went through their training. Went through the training program. There are lots of really great things about it, but they would deny that there's any ever any physical cause, and that basically that um, mental diseases don't really exist. Um, yeah. Yeah. So they would they point more to like demon possession and you know things like that oh, for yeah. stuff. That's just weird. Yeah. They, they, yeah. It's Not necessarily. It's like the ex- the extreme. Like yeah. it's like nothing. Any problem you have in your life, like emotional problem you have in your life, is because you have a sin in your life. That's what they would say. Some sin that you need to fix. Just to, just to talk on this side issue um, that you brought up. That's what they would say. Right. I just want to say that it's not, I don't agree with them, but I don't think it's entirely bad, you know, because like people, like some people read the Bible today and they're like, oh, the stuff where they said it was demon possession back then, he was just schizophrenic. Well, I just want to con- throw this out for you to consider that perhaps what we, some things that we just call mental disorders could be, in fact, human possession. And that could cause a chemical imbalance. When you're only looking at the physical aspect of things, you can come to conclusions and say, oh, we're so much smarter now than they were then, so we have the correct answer, and they were wrong, just because we're 2,000 years later. So I just want to throw that out there to consider that it's not entirely like, wow, those people are living in the Stone Age. (laughs) Like, I think that um, it can be consistent. Um, But I don't agree with them, and I think that and this is one thing I wanted to talk about that's really important about this, that um, medicine can be very helpful and very important. Um, when I actually did my workshop, I had a guy come up to me afterwards, and he takes a lot of um, prescription medication for depression and, like, bipolar disorder and manic depression and, like, all this stuff. And he's like, so should I stop taking this? I'm like, no, because that can be a good thing. But one thing that's so, so important to understand about this is that... Um, don't use medicine to cover up your problems. Um, like, a lot a lot of cases, and I think I would even hazard to say most cases of depression, there is something going on, whether it's something that happened or something that's built into your life. And if you're not dealing with that problem, you're just going to be popping pills the rest of your life, and no one wants to do that. 
you're just like, it's kind of like, the, you know, proverbial sweeping the dirt under the rug if you're just using medication to treat it. Um, so I would say both are important, but um, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, ultimate cause of depression. Um, there are all these causes listed in stuff, and the fifth one that I put on my PowerPoint slide when I was doing my workshop was spiritual. And that can be, it can be true, but I want to also go and say that um, in some ways, I agree with the new Thetic counselors. And I will say that I do think ultimately depression, if you want to, what causes depression? I will say that ultimately the cause is spiritual and ultimately the cause is sin. And here's what I mean by that. Um, and this is, I wanted to cover this because it's so important to understand that we live in a broken world, right? You read what happened in Genesis and we sinned and the world is broken. And in fact, in Romans, it says that the creation is groaning for the sons of God uh, to be revealed. That is, um, people who are saved, that God's going to reveal this and like remake the earth. The earth is groaning for that to happen because even the earth was subject, subjected to frustration. It says that everything's broken, like our bodies fall apart. You know, sometime in my life, I am going to make Jesse mad, and I'm sure I already have. Um, I don't know. There was that one time I told you I would kick you in the face. But oh, yeah. We had yeah, remember that? We were on bad grounds. Yeah. <laughs> it was just as an example. I didn't really threaten him. But, um, <laughs> but the important thing is, like, relationships. Rachel and I are married, and we we fight sometimes. You know, like, in fact, we fought a lot when we were first married. And and so it's like, what? And so, like, things are broken. That's how it is. It's because of sin. And the Bible says, ultimately, this is your problem. Things are broken. And all of the book of Ecclesiastes is, like, devoted to this. It says, I tried to work, and it was meaningless. Uh, so I decided to get drunk all the time, and that was meaningless. So I decided to... Um, work the land, and that was meaningless. And so you're reading the book, and you're like, boy, this is depressing. Um, but it's just, it's telling the truth. It's, it basically says, this is what the earth is like. There's nothing new under the sun. Everyone has the same problems. So that's why I say all these problems in depression, ultimately the problem is spiritual. spiritual, And ultimately the solution can only be spiritual. You know, things are going to keep breaking down. Things are not going to be perfect until this problem is solved by Jesus returning. And that's what's so, so important about this. Question number two, in what ways can depression sometimes be a good thing? Jesse, who sat in on my workshop, do you remember? I do. Okay, I had an answer. So you can go ahead. Whatever. She's a lot more enthusiastic. You're a lot more enthusiastic. Diane, in what ways can it sometimes be a good thing? You always have to have the prison. Um, I think that's very true. I just noticed what time it is and I need to get, get moving. <laughs> the clock is broken. I, I was watching that. What? I don't know why. Um, anyway, what I was going to say is, in what way is going to be a good thing? I, I think as a Christian... Um, <laughs> no, they're like, what? Um, as a Christian, I think it can be a good thing because, like I said before, it can help us realize grace. Because when you're really at the bottom and you're like, I just can't do this anymore. 
and I, like everything's broken. That's when you really see that you cannot do it. When you're like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I just can't do it. Well, that's when you're really actually finding the truth. That Jesus says, you know what, you cannot do it. You cannot get to heaven on your own. You cannot do this life. You cannot be perfect. You cannot be the person you want. That's the way it is. You know, you're going to try and you're going to fall. But that's not the point because I am offering you grace. It's not your righteousness. It's mine. And so what can, how can it be good? It can be good because it can transform you. And, you know, like I think I've known so many people in my life, including me, just struggling with um, this thing. It happens to Christians and non-Christians. But Christians, like, you have to be, like, the perfect super Christian. You know, we went, Rachel and I went to a Christian university. There's a lot of pressure, you know. You act the right way. You do the right thing. Um, you know the right people. It's just the same as the world in a lot of cases. And so you're trying to be this super, super Christian, and yet you fail. And it's just such deception. Um, it's actually, <laughs> surprisingly enough, a heresy that was condemned back in, like, 420 A.D. It's called semi-Pelagianism. Huh? Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> the idea that we... <laughs> I'm rewinding. Oh. I'm rewinding. The idea that we have a hand in our own salvation, that we're like, God gives us this grace, and then we can be good people. Okay. Uh, it's called semi-Pelagianism, <laughs> um, which I know that's a really big word, but basically it was condemned way back in the 400s as heresy. Where, it says, where you're saying that, you know, God starts you and then you can do the rest of the jobs. And most of us wouldn't say that right outright, but um, we think that and we act that way. And so this can actually bring us to that spot where we see grace for what it is and see how good it is and really embrace that. So that's how it can be good. Oh, and man, we didn't even have time to talk about suicide. That's another week. <laughs> Are you serious? Um, What's supposed to be next? Next week should be... Okay. You can do it in a minute. Yes, yes, we still do. Crazy, huh? Um, I'll cover it just a minute. A lot of the same things, like, we, I knew we wouldn't have a lot of time for this, so this is way shorter. If you guys have any questions about this, please come to me, because I did so much preparation, it was ridiculous. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm just saying, in this whole thing, before I go to the last question, if you have any questions, just come and see me, because I did a, lo- a lot of work on this especially, and, like, I think this is a really important and serious issue that maybe is more of a struggle than some of the other ones we're going to talk about. But um, the big one with suicide, a lot of the same things go with what I said before. You know, there's things you can do to help people who tell you that they're going to commit suicide. We don't have a lot of time to talk about those. But the biggest thing in relation to the Bible is the question, do people that commit suicide go to hell? They're stuck in a limbo. They're stuck in a limbo. That's what Dante's Inferno said. They were Okay. Anyone else? St- you know what? Yes, they do go to hell. They do? Why they would you say that, Diane? Because they're cowards. Because they away the life that God gave them. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then, what about, like, those titles, murder, who, like, kill somebody? Like, if a hundred times, and some Christian, like, I don't know, maybe, like, Okay, let's let's make this a little yeah, let's make go. this a little more specific because Melody brought it up. Does a Christian who commits suicide go to hell? No. no. I don't think anybody has the answer. You have to ask somebody you, you, you don't know, think anyone has the answer? Why would you? Why? Why? Why do you say no, Melody? If, if you you're saved, then like that's that's your key to heaven. I mean, I mean, we all sin. I know that, like, 
like if you were to commit suicide, that's a, like a really like intense like precision. It's a sin, right? Murdering is sin. Lying, you know, like deceiving. It's all sin. We all we all make mistakes. And if if you if you're a Christian, but you know you're just like some some I think you have to understand how it feels to be depressed to understand like whether you you like really feel like suicide is what you want like because I don't know I think there's a lot of like different stages of depression that people can go through and it's like unexplainable and I don't know I still think that I still think that if you were to like make a mistake and to commit suicide then that then you would still go to heaven and maybe that was God's that was God's like that was God's plan for you because some people like some people could learn from like your your story and like I don't know show themselves no I, I mean I'm just it saying happens. that I, th- I still think that if you're saved and you go to heaven that was a very thorough, well-worded answer. <laughs> and that, it, was, it was an excellent answer because actually you basically said, when I did my workshop, I had this last slide, John Piper, a really famous preacher, read a lot of books and stuff. You said almost exactly what he said. Basically, like, if you're looking at it that way, what you're saying is that the, the sin that God's going to judge you on is your last one. Um, that, you know, he can forgive all those other sins, but not that one. Um, and really, again, it kind of maybe betrays what we were talking about before. The idea that you're really thinking about is that it's what you do that gets you to heaven. Um, and it kind of betrays that, like what you do or don't do. So you did this thing, so therefore you're not going there. But, but the Bible says, and Jesus says, the only way you get to heaven is by my righteousness. I live the perfect life. You believe in me, and I take your sins, all of them. All of them. Um, and so... I would say, and I think that we can know, um, that you, you, a Christian who commits suicide does not go to hell. If they are truly well, a Christian... We should say a person that commits suicide does not necessarily... Well, a Christian. I said a Christian. No, I, I, no, I specified earlier on. Huh? Well, the question... The question says a person. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of a trick question because it depends on if the person is a Christian or not. Right. If you want to add Christian in there to remind yourself, that would be important. Um, but does a Christian who commits suicide go to hell? I would say pretty emphatically, no. Um, because if I say yes, then it causes for me a crisis in my faith. Because what does that mean about how I'm saved? If I think someone who commits suicide goes to hell, then I better start worrying about all the things that I'm doing every day that are wrong. Um, and Jesus says, you know what, I, I sacrifice so you don't have to worry about that. And now, that is just not to say that, you know, therefore... In Romans, it says, um, should we therefore sin all the more so that grace can increase? Because if, we, if there's grace when we sin, is, why don't we just sin? Because then there's more grace, and that's good. And he says, no, you're not understanding. This is not like, therefore, I take it. Okay, I know I'm still going to go to heaven if I do this, so let's just all start committing suicide and just sinning all we want. Um, that's not what life's about. It's not really, not really having an understanding of what your purpose in life is if you're doing that. So I'm not saying this is therefore like, a, you know, kind of like get out of jail free card to go and do that and to do all these destructive behaviors and stuff. But I think it's really, really important. And there's a lot of history behind it and stuff that I talked a little bit about in my workshop, but um, that I think got us to this place. But I don't want there to be any confusion. Um, just like before, you know, I summed up about homosexuality, the, the pertinent points. I want to say, you know what? Depression happens. It's ultimately 
a spiritual problem because everything in this world is broken. And ultimately, ultimately, that is the very important word here, it can only be cured by Jesus returning and, and fixing everything. And um, do you, does a Christian who commits suicide go to hell? No. If they're a Christian, their sins are covered. Their sins are taken away. And he's not going to judge you on that one sin. And, you know, I can cover all those ones, but this one's just too serious. I can't cover this sin. It's too bad. Uh, no, that's not right. Uh, he covers everything. Okay, so I've gone ridiculously over. So we'll pray and do a couple quick announcements and we'll be done. And again, if you have any questions, feel free to email me, talk to me, whatever. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for tonight and that everyone can come here and we can just spend time um, talking about important issues. And we just ask that you would guide our hearts and that you would um, bring us constantly and give us uh, just a strong hunger to read the Bible, to read your word, because how can we really know as Christians what to do and how to live without looking at that? It is your words to us, to your church, so that we can know you and know about you. And we just ask that you would, again, that you would give us a hunger to know it and to be reading it and to to see the answers that it provides and to, um, most of all, see you, because that's the purpose of the Bible, to, to reveal you, that we can worship you and we can know you. And we thank you again that we have that opportunity to know you because of um, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So in his name we pray. Amen.